الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم واتقوا الله ويعلمكم الله وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من عمل بما علم ورثه الله علم ما لم يعلم او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم most respected students of deen brothers and sisters over the past 2 weeks we have been discussing the object and the purpose of coming to madrasa the purpose is to come and learn deen and briefly we discussed what is deen all about that it includes rectifying our aqaid bringing our a'mal in order correcting our a'mal our salah fasting hajj zakat and all the other a'mal and together with that our muamalat monetary dealings our muasharat social interaction how we deal with our parents our children our brothers and sisters and our neighbors friends people who are studying together with us our muallimas all the people that we deal with in any way that is all part of muasharat and then akhlaq our character so all this is combined what is known as deen all this combined is what makes up deen so this is what we have come to learn we have come to learn complete deen how we can live as muslims this is the main object we've come for to become good muslims if a person has learned many things but did not become a good muslim then we have not gained the object for coming so this is what we have to keep in mind all the time we have come to learn deen we have come to become good muslims this knowledge that will make us good muslims this is something which is apart from the information this is something which comes from allah tbaraka wa taala it is a noor and this knowledge comes the barakat comes in this knowledge from taqwa the fear of allah tbaraka wa taala in the quran sharif allah taala says wattaqullah wa yuallimukumullah that fear allah taala in other words fear allah taala means that stay away from all the things allah taala has forbidden adopt taqwa and the result of this will be wa yuallimukumullah allah taala will teach you allah taala will grant you knowledge this is the knowledge that comes from the unseen this is the knowledge that comes directly from the treasures of allah tbaraka wa taala and this is something which nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam has himself also explained that man amila bima alima warathahu allah ilma ma lam ya'lam that the person who will practice upon what he has learned what she has learned now we are learning so many things for example we are learning about the importance of salah now a person has learned this the person practices on this is it time for salah we are first it's a time for salah we don't require any reminder it is a time for salah we are reminding others that it is now the time to leave everything else 
and to proceed immediately to perform the obligation of deen, to perform the farz that Allah Ta'ala has placed upon us. So now when a person will practice upon this, so this is what Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi is explaining, man amila bima alima, a person has learned something, then the person practices on it. So the person is practicing on that knowledge about salah, the importance of salah, is giving the due importance to salah. It's not that we are trying to duck out of salah, na'uzubillah. We have learnt about akhlaq, about good character, for example, about sincerity. That we have to do everything with ikhlas. Now the person is constantly concerned. Before every action, the person is thinking, am I doing this for Allah Ta'ala alone? And if not, then I must correct my intention. What I am saying now? Am I saying it to please Allah Ta'ala? If not, then let me correct my intention. Let me say it only to please Allah Ta'ala. I am doing something for Allah Ta'ala alone. I am saying something for Allah Ta'ala alone. I'm planning something. That too for Allah Ta'ala alone. I'm not planning something for any other ulterior motive. For any other purpose. Now we have learned the lesson of ikhlas. This is the practical implementation of the lesson of ikhlas. That we keep thinking. We want to say something. We want to say something about somebody. What is motivating us? What is making us say it? Are we saying it for our nafs? Are we saying it for Allah Ta'ala? Now we are... Thinking about this first, then it means we are implementing the lesson of ikhlas. We are practicing upon it. Now this is what is required, that we practice upon what we have learned. We have learned the lesson of tawazu, of humility. Now do we humble ourselves at the occasion? Maybe it might be that feeling from inside that I must show I am better. I must show I am one up. But then we remind ourselves that I am not better than anybody. I am the lowest I am the person who, everybody else is better than me, whatever somebody's outward condition may be. But the reality, Allah Ta'ala knows. So despite the outward condition, there might be something in that person which Allah Ta'ala loves in, to such an extent, that that person will far outshine me and many others also. Now at that time, when this thought comes negatively about somebody, to remind ourselves from within, that I am a nobody, I am nothing. No matter what somebody's outward condition may be, they are still better than me. The person's wrong is wrong. The person's sin is a sin. We can't condone that at all. But that person is better than me. Now to think of this at that time, Shaitan will keep whispering all these things. All the negative things about people, whatever else. Shaitan will keep, that Shaitan's full-time job. He's got no other job. So, but when Shaitan comes with these waswasas and these whispers, now to counter it, to dispel it, to bring these positive thoughts in the mind at that time. That is now practicing on the lesson of tawazu that we were taught, that we learned. And likewise all the other things, the mu'asharat. We want to now, the thought has come, somebody has suggested, hey, let's make fun of this person. Or let's play a prank on this person and hide this person's shoes away maybe. Or cause some taklif to somebody. Now this causing taklif in some way, or we're going to make a joke about somebody which is going to hurt the person's feelings, or we're going to do something that is going to cause some inconvenience to somebody. Now this goes against this entire branch of deen known as mu'asharat. Mu'asharat, the crux of it is that nobody is inconvenienced by our action or our word in any way. But instead we become a means of giving good to everybody become a means of passing on comfort to everybody. Now this shaitan will put these waswasas, shaitan will put these thoughts, that now shaitan will put a terrific idea, it will sound terrific to us, 
hey, we can really have fun today. We'll do this and play this practical joke on this person and this person will be now in a total shambles and we'll have a good laugh. This is sadistic. When we laugh at the expense of others' pain, when we want to have fun at somebody else's misfortune, when we want to try and amuse ourselves and entertain ourselves by causing pain, difficulty, some taklif to others, this is actually sadistic. Sadistic is where a person gets pleasure out of somebody else's pain. This is like kind of animal behavior. Not even the ordinary animal. The ordinary animal, it doesn't just give pain for the sake of pleasure. A lion will tear one buck to pieces and it will shed it and it will eat it up. But it does so for its food. Because the lion can't go to the somebody's farm and say, I want to buy one sheep. Allah has created the system that the lion will hunt. But if the lion has eaten its full, then it won't hunt. It will remain sleeping. When it sees the next prey or when it needs the next prey, then it will hunt. Or it will hunt to maybe store food maybe. But it hunts because that's a need for it. But that's an animal. So the lion also will attack because of its need. And because that is a system of the jungle, that it will have to attack for its need. But there are some animals which are beyond the lion also. It will attack merely because it needs to attack. Maybe out of self-defense also, because it gets threatened like a snake. It won't give, it won't benefit from the attack. It will attack the next person, but it won't benefit. But that too, it attacks out of a kind of self-defense. It bites the next person, puts a poison in, but it doesn't take anything out of it. But insan, he merely, for the sake of pleasure, he causes pain. Subhanallah, what a thing that insan was ashraful makhluqat. He was the greatest of all the creation of Allah Ta'ala. And his job was to be a well-wisher for all the makhluk. Allah Ta'ala created insan with the highest level of intelligence. And insan goes to the point where, where any animal doesn't go. An animal doesn't give pain for the sake of its own pleasure. Sometimes it doesn't take any pleasure out of it. I mean any, any benefit out of it. But the animal's objective is not personal pleasure. But insan... Allah Ta'ala save us, stoops to this level that will create pain for the next person so that insan can have a good laugh about it. This is gone beyond animals. So this is something which then, it means that from within we have a very severe sickness. It's a very severe sickness from within. Unfortunately, we don't take steps to then treat that illness. These are illnesses. Just as a person has a cancer person has some other ailment, person has some kind of maybe disease, whatever the case is. Now, these are severe things. Somebody has a heart problem, somebody has a liver failure, all these kind of things Allah Ta'ala save us from, Allah Ta'ala save everybody from it. And all those who are ill, Allah Ta'ala give them complete and uh, total cure and shifa. But these are physical ailments. Worse than that are the ailments that affect our spiritual selves. Those are the more dangerous cancers. Now, a person has this terrible cancer, that the person wants to gain pleasure out of giving somebody else pain. Playing a joke on somebody else. Now, this is all shaitan inspired, shaitan whispered. 
Shaitan comes and incites this, puts these thoughts in the mind, that do this and do that, because Shaitan wants to have the bigger laugh. Because Shaitan wants to destroy you. So Shaitan uses you to do these kind of things. So that at the end Shaitan can have the bigger laugh that I destroyed two people. So, the issue we were talking about is practicing on what we learn. Now we've learned about akhlaq, we've learned about mu'asharat. Now when shaitan comes and whispers these things, the person now brings this reality to mind and dispels his thought that this is against deen. This is, Allah Ta'ala will be displeased with this. This is below the animal behavior also. I'm not going to do it. So now when the person has remained firm, remained steadfast, now the person is practicing on the knowledge that was given. Now Nabi Islam says that man amila bima alima, when somebody practices upon what they have learned in terms of dini knowledge. Now we will learn what we can learn from the kitab, the Mu'allima is going to teach us, but there's something beyond this. Nabi Islam says, وَرَّثَهُ اللَّهُ عِلْمَ مَا لَمْ يَعْلَمْ Allah Ta'ala will grant the person the knowledge of what he has not learned which the ulama kiram state, which is called ilme wahbi This is the knowledge that comes as a direct gift from Allah Ta'ala, which is inspired in the heart of a person, whether you call it thereafter wisdom and hikmah, or you call it tawfiq, or you call it something by some other name, but this is that essence of knowledge. This is the ruh and the spirit of knowledge that comes from the side of Allah Ta'ala. And it opens out a person's understanding to the realities of deen, to the inner meanings of deen. And it opens out a person's way to be able to walk the path of deen. But now this comes from, from practicing on what we have learned. Now this is what we have to keep checking within ourselves. I've learned so many things. I'm learning adab, etiquettes. The adab of eating, for example. The adab of sleeping. The adab of visiting the toilet for example I have learnt the adab and the etiquette of salah of wudu the various adab of tilawat of the Quran Sharif now how much have I brought into my life, how much am I practicing so this is the issue to keep checking within ourselves, to keep doing this self check that are we progressing in terms of practice are we progressing in terms of amal if yes then Alhamdulillah, our object of coming to Madrasa is being achieved. And if we are gaining a lot of information, we are learning a lot, we can give a whole talk on a subject, we can answer all the questions that are asked of us, in the exams we can pass with flying colors, but our practice is still behind. We have learned the evils and the sin involved in various things, of illicit relationships, of keeping in touch with ghair mahrams, of chatting through the chat lines, of all the other haram that goes on on the BBM and the Facebook and the Twitter and whatever else, and keeping in contact with boys and whatever else might go along with it, all these things. So, we are learning about it, we have been told about it repeatedly, we listen to it, we read about it, but we don't give any second thought to it, we don't make any attempt to overcome these things, we don't take advice from our muallima or from any senior person that how do I overcome these problems in my life, then we are just gaining information, we are not making an attempt to get out of the spiritual illnesses what 
the end result will be is whatever we are learning will be washed out with this. So, we need to now become conscious of amal. And the more we will adopt taqwa while we are acquiring the knowledge of deen, and the more we make amal. Amal is also part of this taqwa. Taqwa requires amal. So it's all included in this taqwa. The more we will acquire this taqwa, Allah Ta'ala is promising, Allah Ta'ala will bless with that knowledge from the unseen treasures. And وَمَنْ أَصْدَقُ مِنَ اللَّهِ قِيلَ Who is more truthful than Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala? Allah Ta'ala is promising. So when a person will adopt this taqwa, this ilm will come. The essence of ilm will come. The reality of ilm will come. And this is what will then take us forward in life. So we have come for a very great object. Allah Ta'ala has selected us, has chosen us. This is not something that a person comes on their own accord. Comes meaning come to learn deen. Wherever they are learning deen. Somebody who has been given the opportunity to learn deen, this is something which is a gift from Allah Ta'ala. It's a selection. But when a person is selected, is selected for some international position, selected for to be part of a team that is going to represent the country, that person can't conduct himself anyhow. He has to follow a very disciplined code of a very disciplined way and a code of conduct. Other person says, No, I'm going to do my own thing. They'll expel him, they'll chase him out. That we did you a favor, we selected you. And when we selected you, you should have lived up to the selection. But now you are not living up to the selection. You are doing your own thing. You are not following the path that has been chalked out for you that you must conduct yourself now in this manner. So such a person is then expelled from the team. Now this is not a very good example that these teams of these world, of the worldly teams in terms of all the dunya things. But because these are things we understand, this example is being used. Allah Ta'ala has made us also part of the team of Akhirat. The team that has been given the opportunity to acquire the great stages of the Akhirat. Far beyond others who don't have these opportunities. And this opportunity is to learn deen, then to practice on it, and to pass it on to others. This is a special selection. But now it requires that we stay within the code of conduct. That we remain within the discipline that is required of us. And when a person will conduct himself like this, then Allah Ta'ala will open up, deen also will open up dunya as well. Both will open up. Just to understand this from one little incident, Hazrat Qari Siddiq Banwi Sabrahmatullah, he has mentioned this incident in his very beautiful book, Adabul Muta'allimin, Etiquettes for Students, and this is a book that everyone, every student should read. Inshallah, we perhaps will look at making this a part of the syllabus, in fact, so that every student goes through this. And it is not something to read once, but it is something to read repeatedly in our free time. To repeatedly read it, maybe take one chapter at a time and read that one chapter seven times. First do one complete reading from cover to cover and then take it a second reading one chapter at a time. Over days, read the one chapter seven times so that everything in that chapter has been digested well. And then go to the next chapter and then the third chapter. And in this way you will digest inshallah all those lessons that are there 
and we will become conscious of it. So in any case, this lesson and this incident that Hazrat Qari Siddiq Sahib, Rahmatullahi, was a very great buzurg of our recent past. He mentioned this incident and he uh, wrote it down in his kitab, Adabul Mutallimin. Nevertheless, he says that there was one youngster who was studying in India and in those days, many of the people used to come to study at the madrasas. There was no arrangements in a madrasa for boarding. There was no boarding facilities. So, there were many, many masajids, small, small masjids. And these masjids, you should normally have a little room attached for the muazzin or the imam. So, these students would come, they would get uh, accommodation here, they would even perform the salah, be the muazzin, and during the day they would study. And then they would remain here in this masjid. So, one student in Delhi had this kind of place where he was in, in a masjid. It so happened that one day, suddenly, it was towards the evening and riots broke out. Where people suddenly started attacking each other, different communities. Riots broke out. So he was in the masjid. Suddenly one young girl dashed into the masjid. And it was late after Isha. So he was totally shocked. That how dare you just come over here. I am in the masjid now. And if anybody else comes, they are not going to know that you just came in on your side, on your own accord. I will become disgraced. You get out of here immediately. So she uh, said that, how do I go out from here? There are these, suddenly these rights have broken out and I was just going from maybe one house to the other house, whatever the case was. And I had to take refuge because I couldn't just move either way. I had to take refuge here. And my life is in danger if I walk out now. So now he realized the situation and he had no option. So he said, well, if that is the case, in that far corner at the back of the masjid, you remain in that one corner only and you don't move from there. And now it's a small little masjid. He could do nothing else. He was in the other distant corner and he was busy with his kitab in the light of the candle. And in this process, the night now continued and every now and again, he was placing his finger in the flame of that candle. And from the distant corner, this girl is observing this. He's placing his finger in the flame of the candle and then removing it and then continuing with his study. And then after some time again, he's doing the same thing. So later as the night passed and everything suddenly went quiet, this uh, riots that had broken out, everything subsided. So then again he called out to her and said, look, everything is over now, it's close to uh, getting brighter also, now you must leave immediately. So she said, fine, I will leave now. But he said, before I leave, I'm going to insist that you tell me why you are putting your finger into the flame. He said, that's not your business, you go from here. She said, I'm not going. If you don't tell me, I'm not going. Now he was in a dilemma. If she doesn't leave and somebody walks in, they are going to accuse him. And whereas he is totally free of any kind of wrongdoing. So, out of desperation, he then said to her, that shaitan repeatedly came and whispered evil in my heart. 
But every time shaitan whispered evil in my heart, I put my finger in this flame and I said to myself that if you can bear and tolerate this flame, which is the fire of this world, which is a very minute fire, then fine, you can then think further. But otherwise, if you can't bear this very minute fire of this world, how are you going to bear the fire of Jahannam? I would address myself and put my finger in the flame and obviously I couldn't hold it there. So I would then pull it back and tell myself if I can't bear the fire of this world, how am I going to bear the fire of Jahannam? And I would continue. So in any case, she then finally left. When she came, people were worried, but now Alhamdulillah she came back safe. So in any case, she was from a very, very wealthy family. When she was from a a very wealthy family and the father had already earmarked that he wanted to get her married to some person who was also from a very, very wealthy family. Finally, when that time came, when this issue was brought up, that you should be now proposed to this person, she blankly refused and said, if I am going to get married and propose, propose and get married to anybody, it will be that youngster who is studying deen and who lives in that masjid. So everybody was shocked and they were astounded. What link do you have with that person? How on earth you are aware that so-and-so studies in that masjid? Is there something that is... Because in those days, nowadays all these things unfortunately is a norm. Allah Ta'ala save us. Whereas this is totally haram to have any kind of link with any non-maharam of this nature. Casual chatting and all these kind of things. And in those days there was no phones and no cell phones forget cell phones, perhaps no phones also, that were common. So, where is this link from? So then she mentioned the entire incident. And she said, he has taqwa in him. He fears Allah wa ta'ala. And if he has that amount of taqwa and fear of Allah ta'ala, then he will look after me well also. Because he's fearing Allah ta'ala. And when she mentioned the entire incident, they all were very satisfied with this answer and they were satisfied with this proposition as well. That indeed such a person is a suitable person. So she also with the taqwa, she also had taqwa in her. So Allah Ta'ala blessed her also because she also refrained from any evil. Allah Ta'ala blessed her also with a pious person. Allah Ta'ala created the means for her to be married to a pious person. And that person also had taqwa. Allah Ta'ala opened out his dunya as well. That now this father himself came, the father of the girl, and he put the proposal of the, his daughter's marriage to him. This person accepted eventually, and this nikah took place, and now he came into this home, which was a wealthy home. Allah Ta'ala made his dunya easy also, but with the barakat of taqwa. So taqwa will bring knowledge as well. Taqwa will bring ease in dunya also, and it will open up the way to the akhirat as well. And it will bring the stages of jannat also. So this is the path that we have to adopt. Adopt taqwa. Allah Ta'ala will grant you knowledge from the unseen treasures. And if we start just conducting ourselves in any way, we are learning something and we are doing something else. We are learning about that it is haram to be on these chat lines and haram to be causing taklif to others. Chat lines to anyone and everyone any non-mahram, any kind of illicit chatting and it is haram to be looking at things that are impermissible on the phone, whether it's a magazine, whatever it is, all these kind of evil novels, it is wrong to be reading this and 
all these novels itself are evil. So we are learning all these things. We are learning about akhlaq. We are learning about muasharat. How to deal with our parents. Not to be back chatting them. Not to be back answering them. To respect them. To be humble in front of them. Not to be showing in our anger. The Quran says, وَلَا تَقُلَّهُمَا أُفِّوا وَلَا تَنْهَرْهُمَا Don't even say uff to them. Now we are learning about all this. But how do we conduct ourselves then? Are we practicing on it? If we are practicing on it, then we are making amal on وَاتَّقُوا Allah Allah Ta'ala will then grant us knowledge from the unseen treasures. Then we are practicing on man amila bima alima, the one who practices on what he has learned. Then the second part will become a reality. Allah Ta'ala will grant us the knowledge from the unseen treasures of what we have not learned to. So this is the thing that we have to keep reminding ourselves on, keep reminding one another about. That what we have come to Madrasa for, we have come to learn deen. We have come to practice deen. We have come to acquire adab. We have come to acquire this etiquette. To learn respect. To practice respect. Because we are going to learn respect, inshallah, in various lessons, in various, through kitabs, the mu'allimas, via these tarbiyat programs, via, via other programs and bayans that take place in the madrasa, via the tafsir lessons, via various other ways we will be learning adab, we will be taught adab. But the issue is, will we be practicing adab also? Will we be practicing tawazu in humility? Will we practice truthfulness and honesty? We will learn about honesty. Will we learn about truthfulness? Will we practice upon it? Now this is what will make our coming beneficial. That when we commit ourselves to practicing, to learn and then to practice. And together with practicing to pass on to others also. So this is the thing that we have to keep reminding ourselves. We have to keep repeating we have to keep reminding one another. We have to keep talking about it, keep listening to it. It is not something that will come right with one talk, with one reading of some book. This is something that needs to be drummed within us. We have to keep drumming it within ourselves. And keep listening to it, keep talking about it. And inshallah in time, this conscience will develop, this consciousness of the adab will come in our lives, and we will become concerned about practicing what we have learned. May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give me also the tawfiq to practice. Allah ta'ala bless all of us with the tawfiq to practice. This is what is the object that we've come for. Let us not get distracted by nafs and shaitan. As we mentioned previously, shaitan is not going to go to sleep that because somebody now decided that they're not going to go the circular route, they're going to go to learn deen. So now forget this person. This person is a write-off. We'll concentrate on the person that is somewhere else. Shaitan will make a greater effort on the person who has taken the line of deen. That Shaitan will say, this person now has come to learn, but how can I ensure that this person does not practice? So Shaitan will break down things by making us do the opposite of what we are learning. We need to be very careful. We need to understand the traps of Shaitan. Need to be wary about the traps of Shaitan. And steer completely away from all the things that Shaitan is bringing forth in front of us, in this way inshallah we will be saved from the calamities of this world also, and Allah Ta'ala will grant us the everlasting abode of Jannat May Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala bless me and bless all of us with his muhabbat with his uh, with the tawfiq of taqwa with the tawfiq of practicing what we learn and Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala make our coming a true success wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen 
اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو اهله ربنا هب لنا من ازواجنا وذرياتنا قره اعين واجعلنا للمتقين اماما واجعلنا للمتقين اماما واجعلنا للمتقين اماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الابرار ربنا واتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامه انك لا تخلف الميعاد ربنا تقبل منا انك انت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا انك انت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد واله وصحبه اجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين